0: Thank you, as always, for listening to Caleb vs. Self. On this episode, I get to speak to Tot of Tot Voyage, a group travel consultant and the creative director of Hill & Valley here in Rochester, New York. We talk about some of her travels around the world and around America. We talk about her podcast, which should be coming back here probably in about a month and a half, hopefully or so, maybe a little more, and her work through Hill & Valley as the creative director there. Check her out on all things at Tot Voyage for photography and travel consulting, as well as hillandvalley.com if you need any multimedia work, video editing, things of that nature in the Rochester area. Thank you, as always, for listening, and hopefully you enjoy. So first and foremost, thank you, obviously, since I'm some random guy just reaching out to you, but I appreciate you hopping on and let me pick your brain. Um, I've got Tot with us, uh, the creative director at Hill and Valley and all things Tot Voyage. Is that fair to say?
1: Yes, I am a one-woman show over at Tot Voyage. I do it all.
0: You've got a lot more than just Tot Voyage, obviously. You've got a ton of stuff going on, but the main thing that attracted me to your channel and learning more about you was all of the travel stuff you're doing. Um, I mean, I've got a short list here, but Iceland in 2019, Vermont in 2019, Florida, California, you did a whole national park thing. You camped out of your car. You've got plans for, if I'm not mistaken, hopefully Paris again. I know New Zealand, Australia is on the list. Like you've got a lot going on. What is it about travel that really excites you and motivates you to start trying these group trips and doing this type of travel stuff?
1: Right. So I guess it's kind of a long story, and I will try to keep it short. you got um,
0: time. You do it however
1: you want. I grew up um, very poor, (laughs) and um, I grew up in a very small town, like very small, like 8,000 people, and it was – frankly very miserable (laughs) and it was just very um it felt very limiting and i was always very intrigued in culture and food and different types of people and um i explored different religions for a while so doing a lot of research into different cultures and what they believed in um, because i never really identified with any religion so i did a a lot of research into different cultures And again, food. I love food. Um, And, you know, just a lot of research into all these cool places around the world because I felt so restricted by how tiny the town that I grew up in was. Um, I ended up going to boarding school um, to get out of there. Um, It's Milton Hershey School, which is a private boarding school for underprivileged kids, which, you know, if you know anyone that is, you know, Could benefit from that highly recommend looking it up they paid for my college so like definitely is an amazing school an amazing opportunity for the right kids um at millen hershey school it was very diverse um lots of kids from all different types of backgrounds all different cultures um and it just has always been like something that's really stuck with me. So when I graduated high school, I went to college. I actually went to college at RET, And one of the reasons why I was so intrigued with RET was because it was close to Canada. <laughs> and I was like, I can finally leave the country for the first time <laughs> by driving. <laughs> right. So um, it kind of started there. Um, I went to Canada for the first time. And um it just kind of snowballed. Um, I was waiting a long time because I was scared to travel alone. And this is something I talk about a lot, but like, um, I was always told by people growing up, like, don't travel alone. It's a scary world. You're a little girl, like blah, blah, blah. Um, Wish I didn't listen to everyone, but it's fine now. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So like, I I really waited a long time to travel, even though it was like building up inside of me, like that um, want to do something was like really building up and, Then I met my partner, Adam, in college, and we went to Toronto for the first time together. And then, like I said, it kind of just snowballed from there. And I was like, I just want to go everywhere. (laughs) So um, that's kind of the short, long story of it.
0: Sure. So do you feel like living in a small town like that and especially being, you know, underprivileged or poor impacted how you reacted when you finally got around more people? So I don't know if it was the boarding school or if it was RIT that really exposed you to more culture? Is that really where that comes from?
1: Um, So my, my high school, my boarding school was definitely more diverse than RIT was. Um, And that we were just very, so since the school was very targeted towards very underprivileged kids. So um, like we had nothing. So when we went to Milton Hershey, they gave us everything. So we had so much exposure to everything. And like we were, Everything was free, so like I played um, like two different instruments, and I danced, and I was in like a million different clubs because it was all for free. And um, there was where I really started to learn a lot about different cultures, and like my education was amazing. Like my high school education was so much deeper than any any other high school I think ever. <laughs> it was a great education. Um, and then moving to RAT, there was. Way less diversity than what I was used to, actually, and um, it was kind of stifling. Like it was, I almost missed it. Um, and it's definitely a problem. Rit has that I think they're starting to deal with, but uh, definitely, it was something I noticed I missed. And um, even though they try to incorporate a lot of different things at Rit, um, it kind of just spurred me more to get out of the Rit bubble. It was like I was going from one bubble to the next.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well. As far as the travel piece of it, then, let me ask this. What, uh, How do you go about that mental process of preparing for a trip? Because watching all your videos, obviously, you go pretty in-depth as far as like everything from planning, budgeting, even the anxiety of being on a trip or getting ready for a trip. Is there something in particular that you feel like really sets you apart in how you plan these?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, I approach every trip I think differently because of my background. Um, So like when I started traveling, I was like, well, I don't have a lot of money to travel, but like this is my priority. So um, I really like to call it like traveling um, affordably yet luxuriously. So I try to find like the best deals and um, I try to find like the coolest things that you can do for free or for really cheap or whatever. Um, so because of that, like if you want to get a really good deal, you have to plan really far in advance or you have to be really in depth with your research. So when I start planning a trip, uh, the first thing I do is I figure out like what are the coolest things to do there, and then I figure out like the best time of the year to visit, and then I, like it just snowballs from there. And I put hours of research into every location that I visit. Um, and then um, I kind of went on a tangent. I don't remember what the question was, but... Just about um,
0: what makes you different, planning these things.
1: Yeah. So I think it's the research. I think I really do a lot more research than most people. And um, and then prepping for it, I, I have horrible travel anxiety. I have horrible anxiety in the first place, but like I hate flying more than traveling. Um, and it's such a freaking catch-22 because you have to do it. Right. Um, but... Yeah, I, I kind of just make sure I'm as prepared as possible. That's, like, really all you can do with anxiety is, like, I really, like, make sure all my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted um, and all of my ducks are in a row. So I'm just really prepared and really good at research, I think, is the answer. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that's fair. And in one of your videos you talked about the anxiety, not from traveling, but you actually talked it more about during this pandemic. And what I thought was interesting is one of the things that you pointed out especially given your life, at least what I've read about and listened to and all that, you've got so much going on, you would actually pencil in break times. Like, I need to chill at this moment. Is that part of that planning process for you as well with not just trips, but in your personal life, like just being able to make sure that you've got all your ducks in order so that you do feel a little more comfortable when the time comes for that high anxiety moment?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, Not only am I meticulous in planning for trips and travel, it's my whole life. I feel like I try to plan, well, not even my whole life per se, like long-term, but like short-term. So like, I do like schedule out my days and maybe I'll do it like a day or two in advance. Like I don't do it crazy in advance or anything, but I try to like really prioritize my tasks and then prioritize my self-care. Um like working out or um taking a break to just do nothing or um eating. I have to schedule an eating because I get so busy that I forgot to eat and that's something that's really important. So um, yeah, I'm super scheduling and everything so that I can avoid anxiety, I guess, um, especially in work. Cause we have a lot of clients, um, a lot of work to be done. And sometimes it feels like there's never enough time to get everything done. So the best way to avoid me, you know, procrastinating or hitting a deadline really close, um, is to schedule. So yeah, it, it kind of follows through in my whole life. And I think it is part of the reason why I have been able to do as much as I do. And, um, Be happy with what i am doing is scheduling honestly
0: well it seems like you do that also more with than just with scheduling but even budgeting like you have a whole podcast episode that i listened to where and it was interesting when you talked about budgeting especially with adam adam was just kind of like yeah this is what i want to do we're gonna go do it whereas you in that meticulous prep work it seems like You are asking the question, okay, what do we want to do? Let's do some research about what's there, what we would want to go see, and then you can work backwards from there to build that budget. Instead of saying, I got a thousand bucks, I'll see what happens when I get there. Is that a big part of that uh, that process as well, is making sure that you're working in that process flow, if you will?
1: yeah i think um so one of the things that i like to stress um on my platform is um my goals in life are to be happy and healthy and um i think that's my definition of success is to be happy and healthy so whatever i'm doing i make goals i'm very goal oriented and i think that's again a part of going to milton hershey school something i was taught is to make goals and then work towards those goals, um, which I also think is just like a human thing to feel satisfied with, you know, life, because like, what is life? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like to make goals and then work backwards. So, you know, whether it's six months in advance, or a week or two in advance, um, I'll figure out what I want to do. What do I want? What do I want to accomplish? Or what things do I want to buy? What trips do I want to go on? Um, that'll either satisfy me being happy or me being healthy. Um, you know, how many times a week do I want to make sure I work out or you know be active um, and work backwards and like figure out how to do those things once I know what I want. Um, and I also feel like that's the best way to not limit yourself because I think that a lot of people limit what they think they're capable of. When in reality, there's no limits. (laughs) And, um, you know, I don't want to go into a whole like manifestation, like crazy conspiracy mindset. But like, (laughs) I think anyone can achieve anything that they put their mind to. So if you work backwards, you can't limit yourself. That's
0: a very, very interesting way to look about it, especially in regard with your passions, like with your photography and with the travel and obviously with Hill and Valley as well. Being a little more goal oriented, I would imagine, mentally allows you to prepare for the obstacles to the best of your ability. Is that something that you also try to like foresee, especially on a trip? Like, stuff happens. You pointed this out in one of your videos. You might lose your luggage. You might miss a flight. You might et, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does that help you also, like, when those obstacles come up?
1: Yeah, it does, and. Um, I think that with obstacles and, and money, really, you know, that's a big part of society and trip planning and all everything, really, money is a huge aspect. With money and obstacles, it's very easy to get tripped up and feel like you're failing or like um, everything's going wrong. Um, but really, in my head, as long as I reach my end goal, it doesn't matter if I lost my luggage or if I... Um, accidentally spent an extra $500. Like if I hit the goal, then I'm happy. And the best way to hit that goal without losing the $500 and without losing the luggage is to work backwards and um, kind of prevent those things.
0: And you do that with everything else you're doing as well. You're, you're setting that goal and you're working backwards from that goal, which again, to me is such a unique, I, I guess it's not unique, but I'm just, a moron and I think of things no, in like no. future terms you know what I mean like I would like to do this well I guess what I'll see you know I'll I'll see what I can do today in order to achieve that whereas you're actively working backwards and seeing each milestone it sounds like and saying yeah. okay in order for me to get to this place six months from now I got to do these things this week this thing next month etc etc etc
1: exactly yeah and um I think I've I've kind of developed that because I have anxiety and I have this weird existential crisis, you know, constantly going on. And I'm like, why the hell are we here? What is going on? And I think everyone does that. And again, with the pandemic, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of um, trivialities that just were mucking up my life. Um, And uh, with all of that, with the anxiety, I would rather be like, well, in six months, I would like my life to look like this. And that would make me happy and healthy. And then I will be successful in my eyes. And that's what I would like to do with my life. And I, I try not to think about others' influences and outside voices that are trying to tell you like, well, you should have gotten a real job out of college and you know, work for $40,000 a year, which there's nothing wrong with making $40,000 a year. That's a great wage. I'm saying like, people will tell you what they think you should do in order to be successful under their standards. And for me, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Like I want it to be, I want it to be on my standards. It's my life. So
0: do you ever, I mean, obviously you've had those conversations we all have, whether it's your high school counselor or whether it's some relative, maybe do you ever consider like their actual standards and then say, okay, this is the frame of reference you're coming from this isn't my frame of reference. Therefore, although their advice might be good for somebody else, may not be for me.
1: Yes, 100% of the time. Um, I've had situations where um, people in my life um, will make decisions that I don't understand why they made the decision the way they did, because I'm looking at it from my my viewpoints and my standards. And then I have to step back and think, well, you know, this is what they want out of their life. And I, I think that there's a weird line at this point in my life, like I'm 25. And like, you know, some people I know are having their third kid, some people are just getting married, some people are like, still in college. And like, we're all doing our own thing. And it's just best to find people that are kind of in line with your values in line with like your standards and just have those people closest to you because um, they'll understand when you make a really weird decision um, or they'll understand, you know, to some capacity and support you when you do crazy things like start three businesses and quit your full-time job and (laughs) um, (laughs) do whatever you want. (laughs) So um, that's kind of it.
0: Well, it seems like a lot of that eye opening, and again, I'm gonna go back to your podcast here with the college conversation you had, that seemed to also have made a pretty big impression on you between leaving college and, you know, working at RIT for a little bit as a marketing was it a marketing assistant? I can't remember. Yeah. And then having that dream of moving to New York City kinda of get squashed pretty quick. Yeah. Um, did that like influence that decision making as well?
1: Yeah, um, that was a big eye eye opener. Um, see, like my whole life, I wanted to move to New York City. Um, like before, I had any idea what I wanted to do. Really, um, I've always wanted to move to New York, and my dad lives there. Um, so it, it felt natural, like a progression. Um, and my whole family—not well, my whole family—I'll take that back in case any of them ever listen to this. <laughs> but a lot of my family were really unsupportive and we're like, New York City's too expensive. You're, you decided to be an artist, which they had tons of words about, um, as well. And you're not going to be able to make it money. Like it's so expensive, blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to do it. I think I got to the point where I wanted to do it despite them. Um, like I, I just wanted to move to New York city because my family told me I couldn't. And you know, everyone else in my class that I graduated with moved to New York city, not everyone, but a lot of people moved to New York city. And I was kind of just like, that's what I had, like, it got from the point where it was like, that's what I want to do to like, that's what I have to do. And when it was kind of taken away from me, I realized that I I didn't really want to do it because I wasn't as upset about the option being taken away from me as I thought I should have been. And now I'm super grateful. (laughs) So Well, that
0: goes into the next thing. Like why Rochester? I, I know why yeah. because I've listened to all your stuff, right. but if you may, right, if you could elaborate a little more, why Rochester?
1: Yeah, I, and I will, I will say, like, thank you so much for doing such thorough research and, like, <laughs> listening to my podcast. Like, I think I have, like, seven monthly few for listeners. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I chose RIT for school because I, like, around... Eighth or ninth grade of high school, I decided I wanted to be an artist. Um, well, I was always creative, but like I decided that was what I wanted to do for a career, and I, I knew I wouldn't be happy doing anything else. Um, again, to the dismay of my family, who wanted me to be a lawyer and a doctor and make lots of money. <laughs> right. Um, jokes on them! I'm making tons of money now, so it's great. <laughs> but more um,
0: importantly, you seem super happy doing what you're doing, whereas yes, like, putting in eighty to hundred hours a week as a lawyer might suck even though you're making gobs of money
1: not be worth it ever right, right in my eyes never um but yeah so I decided to be a creative and um I was looking at colleges because I Milton Hershey paid for my like eighty thousand dollars worth of my RET education um and the rest of it was like financial aid so I luckily graduated without student debt um actually graduated early from college to avoid debt. I think I talked about that on one of my podcast episodes. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I chose RIT because I wanted to go to school for art, but I didn't want to go to an art school. Um, again, I wanted like a, a diverse um, kind of school. I thought RIT was going to be the diversity I needed. And I also knew like, well, if art, if I really hate it, like I can just transfer into any other program I could ask for because RIT has it all. Um, and RIT is the number one photo school pretty much in the country. Um, and so I, I went, <laughs> I like early decision. I went to RET and then I met Adam and I stayed because I graduated a semester early in order to avoid the student debt. Um, and then um, we had plans to leave Rochester when he graduated the following spring. And then we decided to stay for a year to... Um, kind of save some money, get on our feet, and then move to New York City. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) That didn't happen. So we've kind of stayed in Rochester. Um, I'm much happier about it than I thought I'd be. Um, Some days I hate it. Some days I love it. Um, But generally, I feel like this is the right place for me to be at this point in time and, like, in my life.
0: Gotcha. Well, it's, I mean, arguably, at least for me, Rochester, so many creative people just wandering the everyday streets just in general like all of Monroe County is there something that you as far as being in Rochester get creatively from it I know you've taken a lot of photos you really like the bridge scape uh right interloop the 490 going over uh the Genesee River but is there anything else for you in particular that you get from Rochester that you feel like you might not get elsewhere
1: yeah I think that something really unique about Rochester is Kodak um and it's funny because I didn't even know this when I was looking at RIT, but, um, you know, Kodak was invented here, George Eastman, um, he created Kodak, and um, it really runs deep into the veins of Rochester, like photography, and how many photographers there are here, and the film, like, kind of culture here, like, I actually didn't know how to shoot digital until I got to RIT, I only shot film, so um, I was way behind all of my peers in college and. Um, well, it felt like that. I'm sure there was other people that didn't, you know, were at the same skill set as me. But yeah. I really learned everything in college, um, and mostly from Adam. <laughs> um, he pretty much taught me everything. And um, yeah, like the photography runs really deep because of Eastman, and um, the Eastman House is a great place to be. And that creative energy is just here, and it's here to stay. And it's kind of You know, I talk to photographers like my photographer friends in other locations, and they don't nearly have the same amount of competition, I'll say in quotes, because I don't feel like I'm competing with any photographers. But here you have so many options of photographers as a client that you can go to and get quality work. But like in other cities, there's like maybe one or two that I would say are like quality photographers. And here you just have like a plethora of like creatives. So it's really cool.
0: So for that, then, how cool was it for you guys, you and Adam at, at Hill and Valley, to do some video production for the George Eastman Museum? Like, how cool was that in that context?
1: Yeah, Adam had a blast. I wasn't actually there, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, but Adam was there. He had a blast. Um, Nick Brandreth, who is, like, kind of the um, the film guy over there. Um, he's really cool. I actually just met him for the first time in person recently. I'd never met him in person. But um, it was really cool to have them, uh, you know, do something with us. And we're really excited to work with, you know, any Rochester small business or anything, um, any small business in general. So it was really cool to work for like a really um, renowned name in the community.
0: I mean, you've got several in that repertoire, but for you as the creative director, is there a project that you guys have done, whether it's um, Tot Voyage, whether it's Hill and Valley, uh, even the podcast, is there a project for you that like sticks out more than any other one?
1: Oof. Um, Like in Hill and Valley... One of the projects or ongoing project or client that we've worked with recently is um, Ata Yoga, which is, um, it used to be Pele Yoga. They went through a whole rebrand and we've rebranded them. And Danielle Ranallo, who um, you should have on this podcast because she's amazing and she's super passionate. (laughs) Um, She is one of the best people in Rochester I've ever met. She is such a joy to work with. She is amazing, creative, beautiful energy. Um, And we rebranded them. So we redid the logo. We also did, you know, her whole website, her photo, her video. Um, And just working with her has been so pleasant and so invigorating creatively that it's been like one of my favorite she's like one of my favorite clients. <laughs> and like <laughs> I just love working on her and being able to tell people about Ati Yoga. And she's an amazing yoga teacher. Like, definitely sign up for a yoga class. <laughs> sure. Um but, but yeah. It sounds like that
0: has a lot to do with you guys got to do like all of the X's and O's as far as marketing and rebranding. Is that why as especially as a creative director, you were able to dive in a lot more than maybe uh just doing a video or just doing a photography set or I don't even know how that works but yeah yeah
1: (laughs) so um I really like when we have clients we have some clients where we do just like one-off jobs and then some clients where we like Ata Yoga do like everything Mm -hmm. um and those are just a little bit more enjoyable because you can really wrap the brand and the creative and like make it really cohesive and beautiful and like satisfying um because you know when you're starting something from scratch it's like that creative juice is just flowing and then you can like push it onto the all platform. So, yeah. So as a creative director, I kind of, I manage, I'm like a project manager too. So I manage all of our projects at and Valley and then, um, you know, drive the creative direction. So like whether it's a music video, sometimes I'm directing like creative directing, um, the music video and making, you know, decisions about things. I don't know. <laughs> I do everything. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's awesome to work on clients that need everything because we we provide all those services like we do web design and social media management, video and photo and logo design. And it's just fun to do that with like a client like from scratch.
0: Right. Just be able to be completely immersive in their entire catalog of everything that they're doing from A to Z. Because I even saw, if I'm not mistaken, there was like a, a... I don't want to say tree removal, but I think like lawn slash tree removal. And you guys had a little thing where you were, here's my sketches of us going through that process. And that was really cool just to kind of see those sketches. Is that, who's doing that? Are you doing the sketches as well as Adam? Like how does that whole aspect work?
1: So we do have a team of a couple different people. Um, Adam uh, is the director of photography slash head cinematographer. Um, he kind of runs all the video projects um, and um, that kind of thing. And then Ricky, um, he's our head of post-production. So he does a lot of the editing um, and, you know, general other video is our main thing right now. So like we have two people dedicated to that. Um, and then I kind of do everything else. Um, I actually have a graphic design background from high school. Um, my high school was like kind of a vote school. So, um, for four years, I took graphic design classes and like Photoshop and InDesign and illustrator and all those things. Um, so I do some of the graphic design, um, and then some of the web design. Sometimes we, um, kind of contract it out if we're too busy. Um, And then mainly I'm I'm the head photographer, so any of the photo is usually me. Um, But we do work with a couple other creatives in Rochester. Um, Some people we went to school with. um, Some people that we just really love their work. um, We'll hire on and, you know, have them be a supplement to our team when things get a little hectic.
0: Sure. I mean, that sounds really cool and quite a unique situation for you to be able to have so many different Uh, potential people that you can you know either sub out work to or but but also trust that they'll fulfill and do the job that you ultimately have put into place that's I feel like a pretty unique experience right
1: yeah we have a very high standard for um what we deliver to clients um and maybe like I think I have the highest standard out of like Adam and Ricky and me Um, (laughs) but like I I really want what like when someone sees that hill and valley did a job i want it to be like the best that we could have done to our capability so like um if there's a website i know that i can't design because i'm like oh this is kind of out of my capability i'll find someone to do it instead like i want it to be the quality that it needs to be um to have our name on it so sometimes you know if there's a design project that's way too complex for my ability we'll hire it out um you know, I'm not the best hand artist, like I can't really draw, but I am I can digitally create things. So sometimes if things are more um, artistic or illustrated, we'll contract that out.
0: Is part of your skill set, and I'm pretty sure it is, but I'm going to ask anyway, being able to communicate creative ideas in such a way that an artist or a photographer or a cinematographer, whoever that is has like 98% of what you're looking for kind of from the get-go. And does that make that process, especially with going back and forth and doing corrections, does that shorten up that timeline because you're able to communicate that so effectively?
1: Yeah, we. I um. I don't. I don't know how much you really did your research. How many videos you watched of mine? But one of my things with my anxiety is that I can't leave things left unsaid. Like I need to really communicate in order for my heart rate to go down. So um, whenever there's something that needs to be fixed or like. Um, details, like I'm just, I'm very straightforward. Um, nothing's ever personal when it comes to business. So I'm always like, you know, these, these changes need to be made. This is exactly what we need. Are you able to do that? Like, this is the timeline. Are you able to accomplish that in the timeline? Um, so it's kind of like a lot of, um, again, project management is a a huge thing of what I do. Um, making sure that projects are moving down the timeline, um, meeting deadlines, um, And, you know, everything's getting done.
0: (laughs) So let me switch gears a little bit more towards what I think are more of your passion projects, especially with the YouTube channel and the podcast. Do you ever leverage some of those people to help you with, excuse me, to help you with editing or like sound or doing any of that type of stuff?
1: Yeah. So, um, for (laughs) Top I do it all except, um, the, my newsletters that go out, my best friend um, from like childhood, she's an amazing copywriter. She's so talented. I love her. Um, and she writes my newsletters and she wrote like my about me page. She writes my emails. So for Top Voyage, a lot of the writing, except for the blogs, the blogs I do myself, um, she edits them. Um, all that stuff is my best friend. The like promotional sales kind of copy is mostly her. Okay. Um all the editing is me. Um Adam taught me how to set up the podcast once and then I just did that. Um so I do all the editing and you know, it like if we just want to bring it up now, like the fact that I haven't posted in so long is um because Hillam Valley kind of took a jump start right after like things started to open up and they really needed me, Adam and Ricky really needed me like all hands on deck. Um working with Hill and Valley. So, you know, I have like five YouTube videos pre-filmed that I just haven't finished editing. Um I have like three podcast episodes I haven't put out. Um and I feel so bad because like two of them are guests and I'm like, oh they probably think that I hated them because I never <laughs> got the podcast. But um yeah I just I do everything for Tapoyage. So and I'm still doing travel consults. So I'll have like A couple clients a month I'm doing research for and doing trips, trip itineraries, um, uh, booking flights for people, like finding flights for people. So I'm still working through Top Voyage. Um, I had two group trips this year and we're planning on doing a couple next year. We're just waiting with COVID to like announce those. But yeah, it's kind of just me.
0: (laughs) No, that's fair. I mean, you do a great job with it. I wish oh, yeah. you were able to do a little more with it, but obviously, <laughs> right, things take precedence, and, and it's no different than in my life. For me, this is my passion project, and sometimes be two or three weeks where nothing happens. You know, it, it it happens. But for you, since you have kind of three in the almost in the can, five videos that are almost there, I'll, I'll be yeah. a little gracious with that. Do you have a plan to start going back to that and, and putting those up, or is are things still like? 100 miles an hour with hill and valley
1: yeah so um my goal was to take like two months to um, tackle hill and valley and then hopefully start hiring people out to do some of the work that i don't really need to be doing um but it got really busy over the summer so um just this month actually i finally feel like (laughs) i have some time to myself (laughs) um and one of the problems was that even before Hill and Valley really picked up is I was working almost, I was working full time as a freelance portrait photographer. So I was doing, you know, tons of portrait shoots a month and the editing time. And then I was doing the a blog a week, a YouTube video a week, a podcast a week. And I was just working 24 seven. Like I, I would just be working like whether it was top voyage or top photo, um, And I was just working all the time. And then I I kind of burnt myself out and had to stop. So that's why I took the break. And then the break just kept going. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna take the time I need to like really come back strong. So like with the podcast, um, we actually just expanded our studio at Hill and Valley. Um, So we originally had about 1000 square feet. And now we're at about 3500 square feet so it was a really big expansion for us it's actually just started like two days ago so um, we are gonna have a dedicated podcasting room and a podcasting area that um, i will be able to just sit down and do my podcast without having to set anything up and we're hoping to like make that a new service for hill and valley as well um to you know help other creatives either renting it out or producing um podcasts but that will hopefully get the the podcast back up and running ASAP. Um, and then the YouTube videos, uh, definitely have plans for those out soon, very soon. So.
0: so my favorite podcast of all the ones that you did, not subtracting the three, well, actually subtracting the three that haven't come out yet, so one of those might still be, um, nice. was the conversation with the car camping. And that one is near and dear to my heart, at least at this point, because me and my brothers, we go hiking up in the Adirondacks. So we'll camp out of the truck. We will. And, and the other thing, too, is listening to the story of you driving through. I'm guessing it was West Texas when that hailstorm hit and you thought mm-hmm. you were going to lose your car. It sounded like um, yes. for me, my wife and I, we lived in Texas for a little while. So I listening to you talk about that was like, oh, my God, I remember those days. For you, traveling through, especially driving, what helps you get through a drive? Because i got to imagine that if you're not cool 100% with flying, that driving in a car for 24 to 30 hours probably isn't the greatest either.
1: Yeah. um, Surprisingly, driving isn't the worst for me. Um, It's flying through and through, but... um, like I said, I, I grew up going to boarding school. So my mom lived two hours away. So as soon as I had my permit, I was the one driving us home, you know, uh, two hours one way. Um, so I was always driving long distances growing up. Um, my dad lives in New York City, and that's about five and a half, six to six hours from here. So I'm really used to doing that drive on the regular. Um, and it's about four and a half hours to Hershey, which is where I went to boarding school. And that's kind of my home. I go there a lot. Um so driving and you know being at RIT going home um like for summers and breaks to Hershey was very easy like so driving 6 hours is like average for me
0: Got <laughs> like if, okay okay
1: if it's like driving an hour to buffalo i'm like wow that was such a short drive you know <laughs> um but driving cross country was super awesome the best thing to do is download a podcast or music or um, for a while, we were really into like the true crime murder mystery things um so we just download stuff and we listen and we consume instead of creating for mm-hmm. once, which is really nice.
0: well, you went twenty one days, not counting the two or three days before and after probably decompressing and planning of that whole trip. What was the best part because you went from Rochester to the Grand Canyon, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. What was the best part about the whole trip?
1: Um, the best part, the best moment was sunset at the Grand Canyon, which, um, I don't know if I said this anywhere, but like when I was in college, Adam and I did a puzzle of the Grand Canyon. And like I said, I, I grew up really poor, so we never went on vacation. So like, you know, that's like everyone and their mom had been to the Grand Canyon on family vacation at some point, And I had never been, but i had never thought about going. And then we did this puzzle and I was like, we need to go. Like, (laughs) I just really want to go now. So we drove and it was like halfway through the trip that we actually got there. And we were only at the Grand Canyon for like a day. And we were watching sunset. And it was just so beautiful. (laughs) It was just so beautiful and vast. And um, I have this thing I talk about a lot where it's like this moment, this like, small moment where I like feel very small and insignificant and it's like the best feeling ever because it feels like I'm actually living life for once um when you know the whole world isn't just about me and you're sitting at the edge of the Grand Canyon and like the sun is hitting it and it's like so big that you can't even comprehend how like big it is and I just cried and I was like this is sick Uh I fucking love it (laughs) Um, And that's the moment I lived for. And that was the best moment on the trip. Um, but it was just constantly like one thing after another was, it was honestly a life changing experience for me, like 100%.
0: Compared to the Northern Lights.
1: Yes, so the Grand Canyon and the Northern Lights. The Northern Lights was a little bit, I cried a little bit more, I'll say. <laughs> okay,
0: all right. That's fair. I mean, I know I've never seen them. Um, my sister-in-law went to Iceland, and she loved it, right? Reykjavik. Um, mm-hmm. That whole like process, especially going to Iceland, because you also did a podcast with, I'm assuming you met, what was his name, Dave, David? Daniel. Daniel. Darn it! Danielle. Dan, I was doing Danielle. so well. I felt like, yeah. but anyway, you did a podcast with him talking about that exchange of culture. Is that more of what you're looking to get out of these group trips, like being able to help expose people to different cultures as well?
1: Yeah. So the main goal of the group trips is to um, get young people to be able to travel in an affordable way. You know, breaking up a group trip makes a very luxurious trip much more affordable. Um, And getting young people to be able to afford to have these experiences and see these new places um, and feel comfortable traveling in a group because, again, growing up, I was alone and I had no one to travel with and I had no money and I was like, I can't go anywhere until I have someone to travel with. So giving people the comfort and safety of traveling in a, in a group and then um, having it all planned for them, the ease of it, and then also having that experience that they may not experience otherwise. If the opportunity is not put in front of you, you know, i.e. me promoting a group trip.
0: Do you find that later on, you know, after those group trips, that's something that all... Because at, you're at the point of your life, if I may, because I'm 32, so I'm a little bit ahead of you there. Mm-hmm. Where <laughs> you know like you said people are getting married they're having kids like you're going to see these people less and less and less do you hope that 20 years down the road when you meet up with them they're like man remember that fill in the blank that trip that thing that we did is that a lot of that focus as well to be able to provide people with that experience
1: yes that experience is the thing it's like and i i've done two group trips officially um okay. so far and i I have moments on those trips where I was like, I'm going to remember this forever. And you have that little memory baked into your brain. Um, And that is definitely the goal. The goal is to have an experience that is so easy because it's already planned for you. And so just like sensational, you know, like, you know, you're just there because all you have to do is show up and pay for it. Right. Like pay for it ahead of time and then you just show up. Mm-hmm. and then everything is already done for you. So all you have to do is go on the trip and just have fun and experience it. So like that's kind of the goal.
0: Do you uh, do you provide a packing list as well? I do. No way. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, you know that's extremely helpful. Uh, the only time <laughs> I've ever done a trip like planned something and it's nowhere near what you have to do but Right, It's just an outdoor backpacking trip to the Five Ponds Wilderness. I did a podcast about it, but I had to give those guys a travel or or a packing list because I was like, they're not going to bring water. They're not going to (laughs) bring enough food. They're not going to bring a sleeping bag. And it turns out I was actually the one that mispacked, which is funny because I made the packing list. Um, For you, especially. What's that? I said, it always works out that way. You're always thinking about somebody else. And all of a sudden you're like, shit, I didn't do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, for you, especially traveling with Adam, how important is that for you to have him along for these rides as well?
1: Um, it is super important. Um, he's my travel buddy. I don't know. Like I'm in love with him. So like, of course, I'm just going to be like, oh, Adam. Yay. But <laughs> um, he is the opposite of me in every beautiful way where he is so level headed. He is so analytical and just like so grounded and he's literally the best human on earth. Like no one can tell me otherwise. Okay. Um, but like, he's just like the whatever yin to my yang or whatever. Gotcha. And so he balances my crazy. Um, like when I'm like freaking out and he's like calming me down So it's very important to have him specifically in times of, like, high anxiety, like, flying. Um, Like, I flew for the first time since the pandemic to Florida to visit my mom a couple months ago. And that was, like, I had, it felt like the first time I ever flew by myself. And it was just, like, just, I was distraught. (laughs) I was just a mess. Um, Because he wasn't there. And I'm used to him being there. So um, it is very important. And, like, experiencing all these things, like... I, I want to experience everything with him, obviously. Sure. So it's like him being there is like the most important part of the trips.
0: So how did you recover after you shit on the Town of Webster slogan there when you first tried to talk?
1: To him? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow, you really did listen to everything. <laughs> um, so there was no recovery. No, um,
0: okay. it was just straight cringe.
1: Yeah, I'm a horrible flirt and um nothing happened after I insulted him basically. I insulted him twice um before yeah, before we started dating. I'm um, very bad at flirting. I like I said I'm very straightforward, so like it's either I'm like very bad at flirting or I'm like I like you. So sure, sure, there's no sure. <laughs> um hilarious. but I I uh, made up for it about like I think it was like mm, six months after that is when we like started dating and <laughs> completely not on my accord. <laughs> like,
0: So last yeah. thing, um, as a plant mom, do you have a favorite plant?
1: I do. I do have a favorite plant. Um, so currently I have about, I don't know, maybe a little under a hundred plants. Um, I kind of cap out a hundred because I just don't have the time to take care of them. And my favorite plant is a five foot plus tall cactus. It's taller than me at this point, and I'm five foot, so I don't really know how tall it is. Um, But my dad gave it to me, and he had it, he was given it as a gift like five years before I got it. And it was like in this, it's a huge cactus, right? Like It was probably like four something feet when I got it. And it was in this tiny little pot. And I was like, how is this thing alive? And so we brought it from New York City back to Rochester and rehabbed it and put it in a big pot. And now it's just growing like crazy. It's taller than me. And it is literally, I dream about my cactus. I'm not lying. I dream about it. (laughs) And I have nightmares about my cactus breaking. I'm not lying.
0: I mean, at five foot tall, is it like really skinny? It's the... Like a, a, it's a triangle one.
1: cactus, yeah. Okay. So it's got like different branches and stuff.
0: Did you but, yeah. ever get uh a, a, I'm gonna mispronounce this, but a philodendron?
1: Uh Monstera philodendron. I didn't I have not gotten one. Um
0: You're looking around your room right now, like man.
1: I it's can't... actually it's like, I think it's technically a split leaf philodendron Monstera. I don't know. I haven't gotten one yet, no, unfortunately.
0: Still on the list.
1: Still on the list. <laughs>
0: Well, I appreciate all your time that you spent with me. Um, if you want to check out any of this stuff, check out Tot Voyage, Instagram, um, YouTube, uh, Hill and Valley as well. They've got a website. All the links will be in the description down below. And I hope that here soon you start back up with the podcast and doing a little more videos. And, and hopefully we get some, some folks maybe reaching out to do some of these trips with you. Yeah, thank you.
1: Absolutely.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you.